He's right in front of me, and I can honestly tell him that I'm going to knock him spark out. Leaping right hand by the Prince. Ooh. And a hard left. And Kelly's down for the third time. Welcome to Off The Brawl on Off The Ball for your regular roundup from around the world of boxing. I'm Ronan Mullen, with me as ever are Phil Egan and Simon Maguire. Lads, how are you? How's it How are you? This week we're going to look back at the weekend that was in boxing, including a redemptive rematch win for Sergei Kovalev. We'll also discuss the latest lay of the land in the heavyweight title picture and reflect on the career of recent retiree George Groves. Before all that, delighted to say this week we are joined in studio by reigning BUI Fighter of the Year, Luke Keeler. Luke, thanks for coming in. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me here. How's life? Good, yeah. Just I'm in camp now. I have this, this rematch with uh, Cummins, so I'm just training, eating and sleeping, you know. Yeah. And Fighter of the Year, that must have a nice ring to it, does it? Yeah, it was nice, yeah. Uh, I didn't expect it, I suppose. Katie was the, the, the foreign fighter of the year, so I was just presuming. Uh, I didn't realise he had a segregated, but it was nice, nice to get a, yeah. a mention of it, you know. And after a great year, 2018 was probably a standout year in your career, was it? Yeah, it was, well, it was kind of stop-start at the end. I got an, an injury. I was supposed to fight in your call against uh, Brian Rose, but uh, I got a bad back injury. It slipped this, so... And even before the Windsor Park show, that was supposed to be a, a title fight against a guy, Joe Mullander, he's fighting for a British title. Mm. So that, that fell through, he pulled out, he didn't get cleared the box. I'm not too sure what, what the reason was, but uh, it was kind of an anti-climax. We're, we're building up for a big fight for that, and then they just got a last-minute replacement. I fractured my hand, a knuckle in my hand as well before that, in the camp, so it was a bit stop-start with injuries. The great win, I would have liked to push on. Mm. Got momentum after Cummins, but kind of uh, tailored off a bit, you know? Yeah, and you mentioned Cummings, and um, just a tremendous win. You went into the fight as an underdog, but won the fight conclusively on basically everyone's scorecards. It's really a career highlight for you. It's a performance that's been coming. You've ma you finally managed to put it together and prove that how good you are. Yeah, it was kind of stop-start as well. I, I broke my hand twice. I broke it in the Irish title fight. I had a bit of pain in that, so you can see that. But uh, I started punching with my me, me smaller knuckle then. But I'm only starting to get back punching mm. correctly. So this camp now, I'm really starting to... to uh, just to, It's the first camp injury free in a, in a while, you know? Mm. I'm looking forward to it. And still seven and a half weeks to go. Yeah, and you mentioned you've a couple of different knocks, and in that fight itself, cuts on both sides of your face. And, uh, like... You must have had great faith that Niall Byrne would get you through that, um, or was it one of those cases where here we go again, um, another knock, or did you know you were going to make oh, it through? Like, <coughs> I didn't realise they were that bad, to be honest. I was just going back, like you literally just recover whatever the, the, the minute around. I never uh, contemplated being stopped. Well, mm. there were actually there was one moment as far as it was in my eyes, and I was I actually looked to the ref. But you just have to get on with it, don't you? Mm. You know, there's no quitting, is there? No. <laughs> I think you said after the fight that the plan was um, to maybe make a quick start, win the, win the first half of the fight, and then maybe coast on the back foot. And the, but did um, did the cut sort of make yeah, it difficult that, that, to be composed? Like the four six, that that was the game plan with with P. Uh, P is the my new coach now. I'm getting on great with him. But the first round was like to win the six. Like you win this four six rounds. Like you only need a round or two to win the fight. And I do, done them. And then the DOs hampered me for a round or two. I probably gave a share of a round or a round away, and then got me second win. Then yeah, I think that was a factor of losing a round. I thought I was building momentum where I wouldn't need to take a round off, and I probably would have stepped it up. The cuts kind of hampered me a small bit, but mm. it came good. It was good, like, you know, if, it, if I had stopped with the, the cuts, I, I probably wouldn't have got any credit, you know, they would have said, come on, would have come on strong, that was always the, the script, you know. Yeah. What's it like, though, when you get a, a cut, you say it hampers you, I, I don't know, I mean, 
what you compare it to because um, you see fighters getting cuts all the time. So how badly was it affecting you in that, like in terms of vision? Yeah, the, the only way it affects you is vision. Like if you get cut, it doesn't bother you. Like you're just that adrenaline is going. It doesn't. If it's underneath your eye, you, you don't even like you don't feel it. Like does it give your opponent maybe a boost? Where they yeah, they go go for it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it does. Like a, it's like a seesaw battle. It might give them a bit of momentum to stop it. Give give them hope. But it did affect me vision. Like you can see a couple of uh, there's a couple of good images taken, and I'm like closing my eyes or rubbing my eyes. So it does take that momentum. Always building momentum in that fight. I thought I could have forced a stoppage, and it kind of takes it a bit away. Yeah, I just can't imagine. If, like, are you looking through one eye or? Yeah, you're just wiping away, looking through one eye. You're not really completely focused on landing, you know. And you have to stay focused. Like every little split second, it could be the difference in losing a fight, you know. Both of them are caused by head crashes as well. I'm not saying they were uh, <laughs> deliberate, but they were both head crashes, you know. Yeah. We'll have to watch out for this one. Yeah, and um, your right hand seemed to be back to its best in that fight after you'd had a couple of niggles with it, and uh, after the shoulder surgery, you probably feel you can let it go a bit more than you used to? Well, to be honest, I had the shoulder surgery in the September before. I had a warm-up for you, and I had only, would say, one or two spars mm. before that. It actually popped up on me... Uh, Facebook memories a year before I had a spar. It was only my first spar, say a year ago. Then I had that warm up fight. There was a draw in that warm up fight, and then into the coming. So I was only kind of getting going. Still didn't have full confidence in my shoulder. I was still getting niggles thrown it. Mm. But uh, in the fight, it held it fine. And then I fractured my hand and the knuckle in my hand before the Windsor Park one. Mm. So little little niggles back and forth. But now all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm injury free, you know. Back isn't. The back is fine, yeah. The, the, the actually the, the 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 back injury gave me time to rest and, and let let the hand go because I'm just I was struggling with my hand throughout that say that camp for Windsor Park and like I suppose with your hand you get on with like I'm supposed to be hitting with them two knuckles but I was landing with the smaller knuckle mm. from a preser so I was just turning and, and getting on with it. it was pain any time I landed it was like a fracture there but uh, with a back injury you can't just keep punching, I had to pull out, you know, from that York call show. How long does it take, um, or did it take your knuckle to heal? Or did you let it heal properly, or just, you just you wanted to get back hitting bags and stuff? Yeah, look, it, it happened during the camp for Windsor Park, and uh, I just kind of, it was swelling, and you'd get on with it. And, and you just, like, I shouldn't be really landing with that knuckle. But, yeah. uh, but I had a previous break there, so I just kind of... You're shifting the point of contact, just shifting it, yeah, and I, and I kind of lost the snap in my punch, the right hand. I had problems in my wrist. Now all of a sudden, like, I'm just walking with, with P punch mechanics, trying to correctly, and I'm landing that snap again, and I'm dropping guys the first couple of, like, spars. Yeah. I'm holding guys again, so it's good. Hopefully it continues. <laughs> yeah, and I noticed in, that, in the Cummings fight, you were, you were quite amped up and, like, ready to get stuck in but and you heard him a couple of times but you didn't jump in like you might have done earlier in your career is that a sign of maturity or were you just yeah, started that, sticking to the game <coughs> that, I learned that obviously from the, the fight I had a fight with uh, Darden obviously oh, yeah. where like I had him hurt dropped him and the one thing I had confidence in always in my career was my chin I was never down in, in the amateurs and so I was a bit reckless I ran in and he just caught me with a Hail Mary shot in the back of the head mm. and like he was gone. I just had to finish him running. Nine times out of ten I probably would have finished him but he, he caught me in the back of the head and, and I just didn't recover. So you can't, no matter how good your chin is, it, you, you can be hurt, you know. So I start holding back a bit. I think a couple of fights after that, that Celtic uh, title win and I hurt. I dropped your man Price. Normally I'd run in and I kind of just held back. I was a bit, I think mentally it was a bit holding back, you know, I don't know, there was a bit of fear with, with, with getting dropped, but that's how I get getting out of the system. It's just kind of a balance of not being reckless, but having to finish guys as well, you know. Yeah, well, you might chat a bit more about um, the rematch and your future plans and that kind of stuff, but just in terms of your initial begins in boxing, I know your story is a little bit different to most people. I think you've spoken before that your uncle Stephen would have been crucial in getting you involved. He was yeah, St. Saviour's, he, he was, Yeah, he boxed, he was high level with St. Saviour's, boxed for Ireland and stuff, so... He was my idol growing up and uh, was only seven or eight going down to Saviors, joined St. Matthews. Kept it going and stuck at it, but uh, I was always, I, done, I went to college, done, done an honours degree in uh, structural engineering, so I was kind of uh, putting on the back foot. Even though I was training, I was never fully uh, committed 
like the guys say in a high performance. So each year, say the seniors will come up, I train hard for say six, eight weeks, and then I'll be just pip, say Quigley beat me a couple of times, but I never committed fully. I was always working college, and it's only up until last year when I went full time that I've committed fully. You know. And in those very initial days when you were seven and eight, were you playing other sports or did boxing come naturally to you? Oh, I was no good. <laughs> <laughs> I tried football, but the brothers to football, I know. Just boxing, yeah, I was always just interested in boxing. Mm. What was the most difficult thing uh, you found out as a pro, or turning pro early on, but also kind of mixing work with that? Did you find that it inhibited your career? Or? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Like, it, it's just kind of, the, as people, there's no money starting off. Unless you're like, you've medal, obviously, so always had a full-time job we'd be traveling we'd be on different sites around Ireland and stuff and you're, you're only half doing it I wasn't fully committed your mind isn't there and you need to be going full-time we got to the level where I was either gonna go full-time give up the job or, or retire you know so I, I took the, the, the leap say uh, and it's paid off in the, in the training you know it took me till 31 years of age or 30 years of age to do but you know in terms of trying to attract and sponsors of that that early those early days, is it like just not happening? Yeah, well in Ireland it's, it's tough enough, you know. Any of the fires will tell you that. It's hard uh, to get decent sponsors. A lot, a lot of English lads seem to be doing well. Like I boxed in that prize fire and you, you talk to the guys there that were, say, similar records and stuff and, and they're getting regular monthly payments off sponsors. But you just have like, you get a sponsor for each fight and stuff, but there's nothing, nothing that you could live off. like. <laughs> And I, I mentioned Stephen there, and I know, unfortunately, he passed away at 28. You would have been around 15 at that stage. And I know you wear his name on your shorts and stuff to commemorate his, his honour and his legacy. But did that did him passing away affect your relationship with the sport at all? Or No, I was kind of strong-minded. I just kept going. And I was always, uh, like, I worked full-time as well, college and all. I kind of never commit fully. Mm. I was always training, say, four or five times a week committed to it but when you see the lads like I'm training with Gary Cully and Dave Oliver they, they came through that high performance units where they're training twice a day you, you can't compete doing four or five sessions a week mm. with them guys but it was like I was beaten by only a couple of points with Quigley each year I was there but I never kind of committed only to last year uh, and I, I think even though I'm getting on say not it's still fresh enough but like the, the lads that went through the the likes of them training camps in the Ukraine, or they went through the, the, all these fights in the amateurs. Like I think it took a, a bit of a toll on them compared to me just training four or five yeah. times a week. So I think I'm fresh enough in that regard. Mileage and it, like there's only so much uh, mileage you can go through, you know. What were you like, say, before a fight? If you weren't full time in terms of diet, if you were working, how hard was that trying to stay strict? Yeah, you're not you're not the only right. like that. I think someone shared a photograph on the scales before saying, you're his title for you, and I'm just leaving it last minute. Like, you're still eating chicken filler rolls and spar yeah. and stuff, you know what I mean? But you shouldn't <laughs> be. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> ah, Not before the fight, though. <laughs> poison. You cut it back for, say, two or three weeks, but now, like, for me full camp of a sponsor, Jim Trishan, he looks after the meals, the way it cut, cuts back on carbs, and I'm making the weight. All of a sudden, I was killing myself to make the weight. I have more mus muscle mass now, and you're making it correctly. Like, it's all those little things, having... I was just lucky to get that sponsor, I suppose, but sticking to diets, the train is completely different with, with P. Taylor as well. Mm. So it's the first, first year as a full-time pro, even though I'm pro five years, you know. And in terms of weight-making techniques, I know the UFC fighters, or MMA fighters rather, there's this way, is it like weight? Or no, water, load, water yeah. loading, sorry, yeah. yeah. Is that yeah, something you It's, it's extreme, like? yeah. Well, I do it too. I, I, I take in, like, you take in uh, high amounts of water. It's kind of tricking the body to release the water then. Uh, the day before, you don't take in any water. And in a hot bath, say, the morning of a weigh-in, like you leave it to the last minute to take the water out of your system. So the body's tricked. It's used to taking in the water all week, say, so you load the body with water. But uh, like you'd lose, I'd lose five pounds the morning of weigh-in, just in a hot bath with Epsom salts. But some of them UFC guys, they do it to it. With huge, they do 10, 12 pounds the week, the week of a fight. Yeah, yeah I think Henan Barrow did it and he collapsed in the bat, bathroom getting yeah. out of the bath. Like, and he a couldn't couple of deaths him. over, like, there's people, yeah, like, it's, a, it's not being like, there's not enough medical uh, document, like, but there's people, like, it's 
again, dehydrate on the brain, I need to get smacks, it's, they should, I know the IBF have like a 10 pound limit of the next day, but there's guys, like I'd gain 15 pounds from the weigh-in, 14, 15 pounds in, in them 30 hours, say, so you're, you're, you just, your body just soaks back up the water, you can yeah. actually see the difference in photographs, like, from the scales to the, the, the day of the fight. Uh, one of the most notable proponents of the um, water loading is Conor McGregor. He used to look like Skeletor sometimes when he was making 145. I know you had um, experience in Crumlin Boxing Club. Did you ever come across him in there? Yeah, he was, he was there. <laughs> he was uh, there at the beginning and then he just kind of drifted into MMA. But he did. did. He, he boxed on a show. He, he had these big Good Friday shows mm. and it was an old program. He, he was there. He boxed on it with me. I never sparred him to be honest. He would have been a bit lawyer, but uh, he done well, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Turned out <laughs> alright. Yeah, yeah. So he's retired now, but he, he done he done great, didn't he? Some mm. some belief, some mindset. You'd have to take that from him. Yeah, and like often when someone pursues a solo career like yourself in whether it be sport or music or whatever, the um, pursuing education can often fall by the wayside. But as you said, you uh, got into engineering and DIT, got a degree there. Is that always like a plan B in your mind? Were you always thinking, I'm going to be a boxer and this is something I can fall back on? Or were you kind of balancing yeah, the two? Yeah, I always, yeah, like I always hoped, I always wanted to go full time, you know. Yeah. I always dreamed of that. Uh, it was nice to have a safety nest. A lot of fighters did, to full time athletes, say, say Cummins for instance, like where does he go yeah. when he loses, you know? I'll say when, not if, you know, but uh, <laughs> where that, does yeah. he go? Like, you know, <laughs> Pascal Collins, me out coach used to talk about that, you know, like the, the warden and stuff, but like it, it must be a lot of pressure for them. Mm. To me, like I, I can fall back on, I've done well, I bought a property and I'm, I'm comfortable, you know, that kind of way, <coughs> but it's a different kind of mind, mindset to them. It must be more pressure, I imagine, you know. How did you juggle the college life? Did you get to sample did, the co yeah. college life? Like that explains <laughs> lot, the shake of film, though, doesn't it? <laughs> No, like I just did the bare minimum and scrape it yeah. and just went off the train and I didn't really uh, get caught up in the, the going out. DIT wouldn't be great now, to be honest. Just full of, uh, full of blokes. The engineering, yeah, yeah. See, I, went, I did marketing in DIT. Yeah, was, you were uh, flying probably. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have bet that time to me. But He's married now. Sorry, yeah. I was just quiet. I was just in and out, back to training. I always kept training. Kept the belief in going, but uh, I think uh, with the parents obviously wanted me to get, get an education. Yeah. Did it come to with a no interest there. <laughs> Did it come to a point where you kind of said, "Look, I have to make the run of it now, full time as a pro." Like, can you remember the decision making, or was it, yeah, it kind of weighing on you? I got, got surgery on my shoulder, so I had, I had a tear to my shoulder that was hampering me as well. So I got surgery, and that that helped. Before that was last year, before uh, I joined up with P and. That was the decision. Like, I was either going to retire or, or go full time. And uh, I just bought a house and got that over the line. Got a, got a new mortgage, bought a second house. So, w when I had that done, I said, Right, I'll, I'll make the jump. And I, so I signed with MTK as well. They, like, it's hard to go full time if you don't have set fights, you know. Like, I was boxing back in Ireland, you, you'd have a fight and then you might not have five or six months. And mm. at least with. I signed with MTK, they, they gave me like a plan in place, like we're gonna do A, B and C. It's hard to make a jump if you're waiting on a show to be announced in six months, you know? Yeah. And you're well established now, and always been a good ticket seller around the domestic scene, but starting out, as you mentioned, basically you're told if you don't sell a certain amount of tickets and cover your opponent, you're not fighting, basically. Are you able to, um, when you get in the ring ultimately, are you able to park that? Are you able to forget about the pressures outside the ring and just box? Or is it kind of weighing on your mind a little bit? Yeah, you see, and you see, with other fighters, I was lucky I had a good support, so I was, I was always able to sell tickets and cover it, but you'd see people selling tickets the, the day they're fighting, like, mm. you know, they're running from the dressing room and, and selling tickets, and they're, they're under pressure just to cover, as you said, like, you you have to cover your opponent to come over, so you're paying for a journeyman to come over, that could be, say, 2,000. And then, like, you have to put a percentage to the, to the promotion. This is the deals they're getting now. Uh, so it's it's a lot of pressure for for fires, and they're saying they take a hundred tickets to sell and they don't. There's pressure from the promoters to sell. They, they, a lot of them don't get paid, you know. Mm. Yeah, I was lucky. I got got a good support at the beginning, and uh, I was always able to cover and, ma and make money. But 
it's hard for a lot of lads like where do you go like the, and you can understand the promoters well they're pulling on shows and losing money so they have to have some security don't they yeah and um just to bring it back to 2014 the first time i met you was at the uh crow park press conference the um the one that anthony joshua was at for the card yeah, that yeah, ultimately yeah. didn't happen i think it was yeah. postponed a little bit but uh how did that opportunity come about what are your memories of that um that whole experience yeah that was amazing yeah uh, that was kind of just a breakthrough Get, getting on that cart, so you had a few fights in Ireland, and then uh, the, the, well, it was supposed to be the National Stadium that fell through. Then they, they brought it up to the, the Tree Arena, and I had a great win in that uh, stoppage. Everything was f flowing well for that, and got a good stoppage win against a guy Gary Bolden, who who we really stopped yeah. first round stoppage. But uh, it was kind of building nicely then, prize fire came along and then I, I broke my hand in the first round, that prize fire kind of set me back, went into the second fight, had a close fight with Dorn, so it was just a couple of niggles with injuries, but you just you just have to keep going, don't you? Yeah, and the three arena, it, show, it proved what you had to offer, because the, the atmosphere around your fight was one of the best on that night, and Eddie Hearn was saying after, uh, you know, a star is born, all this kind of stuff. But yeah. ultimately, Macklin lost the main event, so we never really got to build on that momentum. Is that fr frustration for you that you can't get these big televised fights in Dublin, or did you yeah, just kind of roll? Yeah, the buzz was kind of the buzz was building then. One like yeah. there was talk at Croke Park. That's where I suppose we they, they had the press conference in Croke Park. Would have been like there was talk at Cotto and and Macklin and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it is frustrating. Like it's. Belfast is fine, it's a, it's an hour and a half up the road, but it'd be great to, to have it back in Dublin. Uh, there's a lot of Dublin fires there now, capable of selling. Yeah. I think it will build. Hopefully you can go again, you know, in Dublin. Kate can come back maybe, or TJ Donnie's a world title as well. So it's not, uh, it's not a million miles away. Mm. I remember Adam Smith from Sky was talking about maybe a show in Cork. He seems to be mad about Cork. But, uh, back to the Steve Collins days. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it'd be nice to get back in the in the republic. Yeah, you know. Yeah, obviously it's been tricky in Dublin, but as you said, you have had the chance to to fight in Belfast. And Andy Lee's been in a few times. He's mentioned that the difference between fighting in Belfast and Dublin does it feel like home advantage up there? Or is it kind of is it a bit strange? Yeah, it's it's a short. You still bring a good crowd up. Uh, the couple of fights up. I'm having three fights up. It's getting comfortable now. It's like right. a home from home. I had great support. There was another couple of shows saying the waterfront, and I got loads of people coming over. And yeah. she, she, I don't know whether he didn't like Cummins or he liked me, but there was again a lot of support. <laughs> you know, from, from a lot of Belfast people, so it was good. And uh, hopefully, it keeps building. Yeah. And that York Hall is a great venue. Yeah. You know. Um, just in the in the period I describe as pre-Frotch Groves, where Sky were trying to get people into boxing again, and. Um, the prize fighter you mentioned was one of the formats that did, and it did build a good few stars like Martin Murray and Rocky Fielding uh, got a world title out of it, that kind of thing. So Terry Flanagan as well, John O'Carroll. John O'Carroll, yeah. Um, <coughs> what, what were your thoughts on that format? Was it a weird one to prepare for, having to, the thought of having to fight three times in one night? You ultimately, it was two on the night because of the injury, but how do you prepare for something like that? Yeah, we just we just tra change. Like you're, you're training, you're building up to say six, eight rounds, ten rounds, but we kind of just change the back. We just say our Pad walk was three rounds and then you'd break and mm. three rounds and sparring was kind of building up to that. We'd have to I'd have two, three round spars. You just kind of tailor to, to kind of to shoot and then you'd have the breaks in between. Strange farmer. Uh, it was a bit of bad luck on, on the night. It was a close fight I had with Dorn. I could have went Ken, Ken Goat. He ended up winning it yeah. and getting a fight with uh, Eubank Jr. But I don't, to be honest, if I had got through it and won it, mm. I didn't learn the lessons that I did say in the second Darden fight where it was dropped. I, c I probably would have been done again on a, on a bigger stage because you can't you can't be reckless, you know. Yeah. So uh, they're good lessons in hindsight. Yeah, because sometimes you have to park it. The, the sense I had and a lot of people <coughs> had was you were a better fighter than him, but it was just too unlucky injury in the first time, and then it just um, he caught with a yeah freak Hollywood kind shot. Of freak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's doing much. He's, uh, he's training away. Lo lovely guy. He showed real concern after that he didn't celebrate like when when it was yeah. dropped as well. Like he's a he was a class class act, but uh, he was well beaten by Eubank Junior after that. I thought I, I thought I had well had to beat him in the second fight, but just one of those things, isn't it? Mm. You learn. Would you go again with him? I don't think he's doing much to be honest. Obviously, if he built and, and done well, I'd love a third one. It's obviously to wipe that off. There, me two losses like so. 
I would love it, but he, obviously he has to come back and do well himself, you know? Yeah, yeah he hasn't fought since. No, he hasn't done, he's done that, no. What's it like when you're fighting somebody <coughs> for the second time? Say, obviously, the fight you've got coming up against Conrad, how much of the first fight have you watched, or is that going to happen between now and the end of March? I, I, I didn't watch much of it now. I, I watched the, I didn't watch a, f I watched bits of it and stuff. Uh, I'll watch it obviously more closely now coming up to the to the camp. But it's like it, I, I was looking past him nearly. You know the first fight when I won convincingly, so I was kind of looking past him. But uh, the injury set me back. He won the belt, and I suppose it, what helps what I said. I suppose it helps that he was kind of dismissing the victory down to his lack of performance. So. It just makes me want to step the level up in there. I know he'll improve, like, you know what I mean? I know improve, he, he, I think he still boxes the same. I watched his last performance, he's talking all the right things, saying he's improving and changing, but he's performing the same as, as far as I'm concerned. But he's obviously going to be up for more. They, they, like, I think if he, coming as an underdog, you have, have an edge, but I, I'm going to step her up as well, and, and I want to uh, prove a point. So I have that fire in me to, like, not right her off like a, I, I say he's, he's rolling her off as a bad night but hopefully he has a good night and he's still uh, bad you know. night. yeah 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 <laughs> good night yeah hopefully there's no excuses and, and yeah we go good yeah i i mentioned mcgregor earlier and he, like one of the things he's associated with is sports psychology he's a big believer in visualization that kind of stuff and you've done some work with alan Heary as well right, yeah, is that yeah. something you put a lot of stock in the whole sports psychology side of it yeah def definitely yeah it helped me a lot Alan actually came up to the, the fight beforehand and he'd be just in the hotel room, you just go through it. He does it, he goes through like he, he speaks it and then say the last 15 minutes of the session he'd go through visualisation and he'd, he'd talk you through your fight, say you're in the dressing room, getting your hands wrapped, you're feeling great, the crowd and it's stuff that I, I think it works, you know, yeah. like there's little triggers and stuff and it's just all positive thinking and feeling good, you know. Yeah. Because uh, visualization, I remember you put up a picture outside Madison Square Garden. You were like, oh, "I'm going to be back here fighting for a world title." And Rocky Fielding did something similar, and then he ultimately made that come true. So, do you believe in visualization? Is that definitely, yeah. You have to. I think you have to feel and soak it up, like yeah, uh, definitely. Like to them venues, like we went to see that fight. Uh, I was rigging down Lomachenko. You just have to soak it up and imagine yourself there. I do, I do think uh, I am a believer in it. I know it's a bit out there now, but I do believe, you know. Yeah. And another big change, you've brought it up already. Um, you had been pro with Celtic Warriors for your whole career and ultimately moved to Pete Taylor in the last little while. Was that just a matter of circumstances or why did that decision come about? Yeah, I was, I was training with Pascal. Like, like you, I suppose you learn off each different, you learn different things off, off each coach. But uh, Pascal was my manager as well. and. Uh, I was kind of stop start with fights, so I, so I signed with MTK, and he didn't agree agree with that. So uh, I went with, with Pete then, uh, which is a blessing in disguise, to be honest. Like the change, and he's fully committed. You know, we're doing two sessions a day, and even the the two lads I'm training with, they're like elite level, like uh, and driven lads. Like I'm trying to keep up on sprint sessions with like. 60 kilo lightweight, fucking, they should, like, it's, <laughs> it's tough going, like, so, just having that, that buzz around the, the camp, and his commitment ha has changed things as well. Mm. And in terms of, technically, is there much difference in the approaches of the two coaches? Yeah, like, he, like, Pascal has a, a different style, like, as you say, you learn from each trainer, uh, but P, I think he, P was through all the high performance and all the, say, the, rushing camps and stuff and he just picks out things you know regards like he's constantly walking my footwork since I went wrong my feet were bad I was kind of falling I'd got a natural ability but I was kind of falling over myself a lot of the time and he's just correcting me feet punch mechanics like everything's from the feet and just balance and it's starting to come good now you just get a few tips off Lomachenko that night he's got good feet amazing yeah you watch him but it's all that kind of Russian skill of boxing and being like 10 years around that high performance, he has the drills and the systems for that. And there's like little moves, slip shifts and it's all coming into spiral. It's, it's, it's starting to come good now. Uh, it's amazing, like you're 30 years of age and you're only learning. Like you get bad habits, don't you? Like, but I'm only correct, correcting them and, and, and it's like, 
it's a buzz for me going to training. Before I'd be going to walk, say, and it'd be a drag. Do you know that kind of way? You're rushing from walk and stress. Now that's all I do. It's 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 a it's a dream. You see some of the lads giving out about having to go train, it's a dream compared to what I've done for eight years, you know? Yeah. And um, the win over comics itself puts you nicely in the frame with the WBO and you know, you're going to kick on injuries aside. Um, you kind of dismissed the prospect of a rematch after the fight because it wasn't particularly close and you kind of you were going to leave that behind you. What's your thinking going into this rematch now? Is it just to make your point that <coughs> it was no fluke and I'm just going to... Yeah, look, I've obviously been, that back injury have been out a bit. It's, it, the way I look at it is, it's, it's a tough fight. Uh, it'll get me back out there, I suppose, start the year and then push on again. Like, his style suits me coming forward. I don't think he knows any other style. So I think it's a great fight to start the year and put that to bed, like, and push on. Like, it, there's, there's a lot of stuff happening with Eddie Hearn, the, the zone in, in America, like, the, the, they, they need to match well. Mm. Like they're under pressure to deliver good cards. So I, I think after this one, there was actually, there was talk of me fighting uh, Gabriel Rosado. That, that, was, that offer was made, but it was just a bit close after injury. We, we turned it down and they agreed that, look, we'll take the Cummins fight and them fights to be there, say, June time. Yeah. Wait a full camp, you know, that kind of way. Like I was coming back from injury. I still had niggles in me back and that was offered. I had an extra, say, two weeks training for Cummins fight. So uh, it worked out better. But the camp has gone so well now, I'm nearly thinking maybe I should have took the Rosado fight, but I think it'll be there after, you know, mm. touch wood. Are you expecting much of an adjustment from Cummins going into the second fight? Or just more of the same? More of the same, sharper, more up for it. Uh, he probably, uh, like I had a draw on my, my previous fight, so he probably just kind of looked past me in a way. So I'm sure he's going to be sharp enough for it. He boxes one way coming forward. If he boxes, I don't think he can box on the back foot. I think he'd be just sharper and fair and more up for it. And it's up for me to step up me, me level and, uh, and combat that, you know, because he, he is a quality fighter. Yeah. He, he, like, there's, there's no way uh, looking past him, even though I'm speaking about them fights. Uh, like, I, I can have a little dip in performance and he could definitely get the win. Like, so I'm not looking past him, but I think. The full year as a pro has, has, has changed me as a fighter. I was just looking at that photograph. I sparred a guy, uh, Jay Bourne, he's only a welterweight. And at the heart spar with him, say, a year ago now I'm sparring. I, spar, I had a good spar with a guy, Vladimir Belewski, there on Saturday. He, he's doing the, he's a fighter super middleweight and he's training hard. Like he's 80 odd kilos and I'm handling them easy. Whereas a year previously, coming off injury, I was struggling. So I think me now, would stop more the fight it was a year ago, so yeah. that full year as a, as a pro eating correctly. That would give a huge confidence right. then going into this next run, like. Yeah, and but it's up to me obviously to, to, to produce that now on the night and push on. But I, I really believe like that full time years uh, under P Taylor as a full time pro has has changed me, you know. Yeah. And as you said, the scene in Belfast is, is booming at the moment and in America there's opportunities. Katie Taylor uh, kind of flying the flag over there. And your old stablemate John O'Carroll fights for a world title next month. Mm -hmm. Do you give him a good chance in that fight, Luke, or what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, like I think, I, I actually, like, lots of people are asking me, so, and I didn't see much of Farmer. So I watched Farmer and, and I think, like, he's a bit short on John O. John o had, a, had a draw on his previous fight. He was, I think he, he was similar, like he was looking past him, he was, he was kind of having it out with a uh, farmer on Twitter and he had this hard fight like against a, like a, a tall te technician, but I think Styles was, I think he, he's going to surprise a lot of people, John. I think people are writing him off now, it's an easy win for Farmer, but he, I watched the, the head to head and <laughs> like he, he, yeah. he believes it, do you know what I mean? He, he, like I think he, he's a bit of a, he, he's a, like a 50-50 chance with this. I think his style, like, he's a bit of size and farmer. Like, I think the last fight might have been a blessing for him. Yeah. You know, he's getting a bit carried away. He's away with the phrase. <laughs> <laughs> the occasion. The best of times. <laughs> you worry about the occasion being too much for him? No, he's out of delivering, isn't he? Like, he done that prize for it, he delivered. He's delivering all the way. I think, I think he soaks it up. I don't think the occasion to get to him. I think yeah. he'd be absolutely buzzing for it. Like, yeah. he'd be loving it and walking to the ring and buzzing. And I think I might get the farmer. He has a chance there, you know. It's a funny game, like it's a 50-50 boxing on paper. Yeah. After the last fight, Farmer should stop him. Farmer's strong, hitting to the body and stuff, he should stop him. But 
I think he could uh, like really produce, like you know, close fight. No, I go along with that. Like, there's um, it's not as black and white. You look at the odds, and they wouldn't suggest it's close. But there's a, much like yourself. There's a there's a star quality about Jono that once he gets his opportunity, he's going to take it. And I think um, whether he wins or not, I think it's going to be a very competitive fight. And I think I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Um, just before we go, we might just run through some of the other news uh, since we were last on. George Grosville has uh, packed yeah. it in after a pretty comprehensive loss to Callum Smith, but he did retire with a world title after four attempts. And uh, what's his legacy going into retirement now? Do you think he's always going to be remembered for the the Frotch fight, isn't he? Yeah. Um, like I, I remember when he pipped the Gale, and that that was a really close fight. He was still with Adam Booth at the time, and they got their tactics spot on that night and it was like it was that one could have gone either way yeah but you, you, he just he, he I always thought with Groves he just used to really annoy his opponents like he did it to DeGale you, you remember like Sky used to have ringside on a, a yeah. Thursday evening and they'd be sitting in the, the studio and he'd be just winding them up he did the same to Frotch he annoyed <laughs> the shit out of Carl Frotch <laughs> and ultimately Frotch silenced him with that brilliant knockout yeah. at Wembley but the first fight if it wasn't Frotch like another referee mm. could have stopped that fight and Groves could have been you know a, a world champion was, was it stopped early the first one um, it was yeah Yeah. Well, I think but it was only going one way though I think uh, he uh, so weathered the storm I think Frotch that was always a criticism of Groves that he did tire in fights yeah but I said to you last week when, when the news came out, I've never been more singularly shocked in a boxing match than when Frosch hit the ground because he was so, uh, like, iron chins, like, this guy never gets knocked down. First round... I think he was as shocked as you were. Groves put the <laughs> like, he says himself he didn't wake up till round five or something. So yeah. um, he, he must have been... I, I had him out six, in a, six rounds. He lost the first six rounds easily or something. Well, around that, yeah. It was, it was all Groves in the first half of the fight. But, uh, but yeah, it was nice like, for all the, the little knocks that he had that he eventually wins uh, a world title and... You just wonder with the shoulder injury like that he picked up against you, Mike. Yeah. Was that a, a factor in the night that he lost to, to Smith? But he was he didn't use as an excuse, he didn't. No, no, he was and you kinda you like to see that in a Yeah, it's class, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, in fairness, any loss he had, even directly after the first frotch stoppage, he was very classy if you wonder, for want of a better word. He just yeah. let look it shouldn't have been stopped, but we'll we'll do it again and he was he just he didn't piss him down, he just got on with it like, you know. Yeah. And we were talking about rematch psychology there. Um if anything he probably went too into the hype machine for the second fight, didn't concentrate enough on the tactics for the second fight, and um, Carl Fratch, on the other hand, was totally clued in, didn't want to make the same mistake again, and uh, right at that wrong in his own mind. But he's only 30, Simon, stepping away, it's, it's quite young, and uh, up until a couple of years ago, I was always looking at Groves as a prospect, and all of a sudden he's, uh, he's going in to fight Chris Eubank as the veteran in the fight, and it's just, his career is uh, it's a quite an unusual one, but he's taken the decision to pack it in now. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, well, he, look, he seems happy and content with the decision. You know, and that was the like he released it was a seven-page retirement statement. Yeah, and you can, he didn't just make a snap decision, you know, and he got fairly beaten up against by Callum Smith. So what's he going to do? The winner of DeGale, Eubank. Yeah, that's it, really. Like you know, it's, it's hard to believe that DeGale grows the never had a rematch, isn't it? Yeah, and it was a shame, but it wouldn't be the same now. I, I think the DeGale and Eubank Junior fight coming up. If the guy loses that, that's him kind of. Uh, it's going to be hard for him to come back. Eubank Junior, you would say the same, but he still always manages to come back because he believes in himself. Father believes in Yeah, I know. Like he, he, yeah, he it just. You kind of get the, the feeling with Eubank Junior. He, he'll never actually give up till he wins a world title. And fair play to him. I just don't know if he ever will. Could be another Audley Harrison where he just uh, never quite get th gets there. But um, Luke, what were your thoughts on George Groves? Uh, did you ever come across him? Were you a fan of him over the years? Yeah, I, lo I liked him. I, I actually never met him. I met uh, I met Frotch a couple of times and he was a bit rude, you know? Really? We asked for a, a photograph and he told us the way and stuff. He's a bit arrogant, didn't he? And his statement, he <laughs> said that against Groves, didn't he? He's put up something very arrogant, didn't he? And it's where he's just, he still had an, uh, an edge against him, hadn't he? Yeah. And he, he, he was obviously backtracked. 
suppose he's honest. He put, what did he put up? He put up something. Uh, I can't remember. Probably just about knocking him out again was, after his retirement. Was, yeah, yeah, crazy yeah, like yeah. stuff. And then he put, up, he put up another one down. <laughs> he, then he kind of it was a bit of a backlash, yeah, and then yeah. it was kind of like, look, even though two guys don't like each other, if you share the ring with them, you have a bit of respect. Good luck to him. Yeah, you know, he was obviously. Why did you say that the first yeah, time? Why did you say that the first time? Then Andre Ward uh, tweeted him back and said, like, you're 41, you know, grow up, yeah. leave, leave it alone. <laughs> after yeah. Andre Ward sticks the knife in the Kavalov after the win on Saturday. Oh, listen, I don't know. Um, he alluded in the statement, Groves, actually, no mention of Adam Booth in the, in the statement, which is interesting after their history, but he did allude to the fact that Edward Gutnecht, that fight a couple of years ago where yeah. um, the lad got a brain aneurysm and never boxed again, that that kind of played into his decision a little bit, didn't want to go on too long and take unnecessary punishment, so uh, fair play to him on that one, I think. I think he's, he was quite helpful in supporting the family after that um, fight, so... You know, he seems like a good skin, George Groves. I'm, I'm glad he's retired on his own terms. And not to preempt anything on that, but um, the Ted Cheeseman fight at the weekend, I don't know if you've seen clips of it, but um, quite irresponsible. I thought he was taking a lot of clean shots to the head, defending uh, with his hands down. And at 23 years old, it's, it's quite dangerous to be, um, to be throwing someone in. I think the referee or the corner need to kind of step up a little bit and take responsibility, let them fight another day, you know? Yeah, there's not, like, you don't want a brave corner, man. So you don't... No. There's only so many times you can draw from the well. I think damaging fights like that kind of takes a bit out of you. A party like you're leaving in there, so it is scary to see, you know. Yeah. Like Pascal pulled a spike out against that U the, the Eubank Junior fight. Got yeah. a bit of criticism from that, but he said you know, we we, we had it. we had Packy in actually, and he said he just he was talking to Spike that night, and it was uh, whatever he was saying was just going through him. It wasn't going in, so we just it was one of those nights. Yeah, it's, uh, it's obviously the feedback from the fighter as well. Like it, he he was in Buglioni's corner against the uh, the fellow Grosby for the, the World Title Chulinoff. Yeah, and he was taking more of a beating, but he, he like he, Buglioni had a punch and he, and he had that belief and he wanted to go on. So sometimes it's the, the feedback from the fighter as well. Like it's hard to pull a fighter like if it, he's carrying power and it's a world title like it's hard it's a yeah. hard decision to make you yeah. can't criticize them either like yeah and it goes it kind of feeds into what the referee because there was some criticism with the referees over the weekend and you know you think back to the night that mo like a referee could have stopped fury in the 12th round but yeah. given the fact that fury was ahead on the cards it was a heavyweight title he didn't just wave it off. He gave him his count, and then obviously Fury rose like the Undertaker. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's knowing different fighters. Yeah. But he did again. He did. The ref came out about two weeks after. He could have said this like the next day, but he came two weeks after and he said Fury smirked when he was on the ground. Now, <laughs> we couldn't see it from any camera angle, but he said he smirked and he knew from that that he was grand and he's going to get up. So did he? Yeah. Yeah, because if you so uh, wasn't that miraculous, <laughs> he wasn't that hard. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I just had, had the gods. Yeah. <laughs> Was it a bother out of? You say about the brave quarterman thing. Um, Nick Blackwell, I think, is someone you would have been quite friendly with. And yeah. Gary Lockett got a lot of criticism. Ironically, it was against Chris Eubank as well for not pulling him out. So um, it's an interesting one. I think when boxers go through this, um, when they see people they know get affected like that, did you have any experience like that? Yeah, you came over sparring a few times, uh, Blackwell, over to the gym. It's sad, isn't it? Like, it's, mm. fuck, it's horrific. You don't like to think about when you're active when you're fighting, but it is a. Uh, it's not. It's not something you want to be carrying on. Yeah. I think punch resistance as well goes as well. I think a lot like as your career goes on, you see fighters, and you, you see them getting dropped more and sparring, and like I think definitely it's a cumulative over the years the damage, and and you need a coach to. It's an awful thing to have to turn around and say to a fighter, yeah. "Look, I think you should call it a day." Like. That's all they have in life. Yeah. And it, it's, a, it's a hard thing to listen to, isn't it? Mm. Well, it is medically that, like, if you look at rugby and concussion, if you get, you know, it's much easier to get another one who had one. So I can only imagine. Yeah, you know. they get a band, don't they? They get They get, yeah, whatever, 21 days. Like, we, we get dropped in sparring and you'd spar the following week. Like, do you get me? Yeah. yeah. There's no, none of that in there. But or we get concussions and you spread the next week or the next week. Whereas in rugby, you have a month off. Like it's not really a. That there should be a, a set of rules in place. Like if you are dropped heavily. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's something that just happens in in boxing. You get dropped and spread all the time. Or. Yeah. Not saying that I do, but uh, you see it happening in spread and. 
it's just kind of right, spar again next week. And yeah. there's genuinely guys concussed and can't be good. Like no. there should be a set of rules for that. I know in a fight, obviously, someone gets dropped and they've whatever the 28 days off, but it happens to sparring all the time. I know in, in rugby they have it in Jordan training, don't they? They ban them. Yeah. Someone's just speaking about that. Mm. And someone who's experienced uh, tragedy in the ring is Sergei Kovalev, but um, he was in action at the weekend and he managed to uh, avenge his loss to Leder Alvarez. Quite a uh, astute boxing performance, Phil. He, um, yeah. Not Kovalev we're used to seeing, he just stood in the back foot, outboxed out Alvarez, and it's a pretty clear winner in the end. Well, he said after the first fight that he overtrained mm. and he tired in the fight. So he changed his um, camp at this time. And you could see, because, but also as well, what happened with um, Alvarez was because he had knocked him out in the first fight. Yeah. He just seemed to be waiting. He just seemed, there was no panic about him in the first six rounds. He just let them go. Like two of the judges gave up by four rounds, one gave a shutout. And, I'd be leaning towards the, the shutout. Shut out, yeah, yeah, me too. Um, but Alvarez just seemed quite content with, yeah, let him tire himself out like he did in the last fight and then I'll take him apart. Um, in, and he did land one or two punches where Kovalev wobbled a little bit. He's a big puncher, yeah. But um, now it was, it was the, the hunger and the motivation was there as well from Kovalev. And yeah, it was interesting watching it with Andre Ward as part of the commentary team. I love Andre Ward. Who kept... He wasn't <coughs> shy to throw in that, yeah, he hasn't been the same guy since I beat him yeah, twice. twice. <laughs> Especially the second. Yeah, the second where I made him quit. Yeah. Or he had his Roberto Duran. Yeah, well, Ward was never deemed a, a heavy hitter. So no. the fact that the, the, the second fight definitely did some damage mentally and physically to Kovalev. Just shows how good Ward is. That yeah. He managed to beat him twice. But um, well, just, for, just go back to the Alvarez performance. That was, it was really... Piss poor, like I mean, Kavlov was what I think six up. I had a Kav um, Kavlov by nine rounds to three. This one, yeah, yeah. And I was like, the, the rounds I was given the Alvarez were like because he was less poor in the previous rounds, you know. Mm -hmm. And the only thing he changed was in the very last round he threw two body hooks, and that was the only time he did anything different. Yeah, in the fight. So I don't know what the, I think the plan was just let him tire himself out and stop him again, and just wasn't happening. Yeah, he didn't do much body work where. Ward actually alluded to it in commentary. That's something that they went with, was yeah. the body. They knew Kovalev, get him to the body, and it'll soften him up. And yeah, like the very last round, the first 20 seconds, Alvarez threw two to the body, both landed, and you could see Kovalev going, oh, no, not now. Yeah. And then he just didn't do it for the rest of the round. <laughs> you have to put it in the bank, don't you? You have yeah. to build yeah. it up. It's a cumulative, like you yeah. land the same body shot, and then it probably takes five, six, seven, eight rounds, and then guys drop in. You know, yeah, you we put money in the bank, don't you? You left it too late as well. Yeah, we had, well, we had Ray Moylet in, and he was talking about how the body punishment he got in the fight in Castle Bar there, it kicked in in round seven or eight, and he just said he couldn't. Just as he was getting back into it, he just said they really started killing him down, like, you know. Was, it, was, it, was he dropping a body shot, or was it headshots for the Moylet? Moylet. Uh, second was a body, body shot. shot. Was it, yeah? Yeah, yeah so, um, no, I was impressed with Kovalev that at his age he was able to adapt his game plan and... Uh, Put on a bit of a showcase at the weekend. Oscar Valdez was on the card as well, Phil. And um, after getting his jaw wired back up after the Scott yeah. Quake fight, and he was funny. Like he, he, his mouth was open a lot in the fight, mm. which I wouldn't imagine is the best way to recover from a broken jaw. Yeah, <laughs> but he. Um, no, I like Valdez. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he um, he does throw some great punches, and when I was watching, I was thinking, I can imagine like him and Warrington. That would be some fight. Yeah, some fight. That's the one he wants, isn't it? Yeah, that'd be class. He came out and just said that, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Like I, I, There was talk of Valdez and Frampton, but um, you know, it goes back to maybe what you were saying, that Warrington was never really seen as a big puncher. And I actually remember watching the Warrington and Frampton fight, I was thinking, right, he's, Warrington's going to put Frampton down in the first round, which not many people predicted. Simon said it would be a late stoppage from Warrington. <laughs> But nobody thought it would be early, so you'd wonder what Valdez could do to Frampton, who's like his best years are, are, are behind him now. Mm -hmm. And Warrington has a, a purse bid coming up with Kid Galahad, which yeah. uh, don't, like no one wants to fight Kid Galahad because it's an awkward style and there's not much money there, but it looks like they're going to be mandated to fight. There's a few purse bids actually. Um, Dennis Hogan has been mandated to fight Jaime Mungay, which is great news. Um, Fury Wilder purse bid coming up on Tuesday. So, uh, Kieran said he's going to bid on that, didn't he? Yeah, there'd be a lot of money going in for that one. Yeah. Some crack if that ended up on the zone. 
It does look like Anthony Joshua has not taken that Wembley date, Wembley date after all. No, that. it's fallen through, isn't it? It's yeah. some leaked uh, phone call. Did you see that? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was funny. Leaked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a mess, though, isn't it? Mm, For, a mess, yeah. Like, and we said this around the time of the Fury and Wilder fight that Joshua's kind of out of the loop now. Yeah. And then, obviously, the fight turned out to be even better than we thought it was going to be. Yeah. So everyone wants to see that rematch. And now, and now, all of a sudden, Joshua wants to fight in America, or they want Joshua to fight in America. Yeah. So it's it's funny how that one fight has yeah. changed, altered the kind of tectonic plates of the heavyweight division. It's good news for fans as well. Um, I think, as we record now, the likelihood is Joshua's going to fight Miller in June, Madison Square Garden, which means Dylan White's turned down three offers for the Wembley fight, basically saying, you're not offering me enough money. He didn't like the terms, basically, that if White beats Joshua, Joshua still gets a bigger split in the rematch, and White was like, I'm not taking that deal. So he's going to fight again, try and get another big name in his record. It's looking like Dominic Brazil, uh, Luis Ortiz, or Povetkin in April, which would be three, three potentially great fights. Um, Heron's looking to put... Chisora Parker. Chisora Parker, which would be a really good, good one. Parker's the go-to fight there to test yourself, isn't he? I love, yeah. I love Joe Parker. And then uh, Dave Allen against uh, Lucas Brown. There's a few, few fights been talked about, so it would, it would turn out to be a nice heavyweight mix-up. Uh, and where's Alexander Usyk and all of this? Apparently, I think he's making his debut in America. It's still not confirmed that he's moving up yet, so I'm not sure what his... Uh, he's taking a well-earned rest, Simon, after uh, 2018. Yeah, so... And uh, a word on 147 uh, division. Can Crawford confirm for Madison Square Garden as well? That's in April. And Keith Thurman came back since we last spoke, Simon. Uh, he did. Uh, disappointing enough performance? Yeah, well, like, I mean, I was expecting, you know, just to kick on from the, the Garcia fight. And obviously you kind of forget that he was out for, was it, 21 months? Yeah. And even his, like, it's going to be a certain amount of ring rust um, after that long a time out of the ring. Nobody's going to deny that. Like, the other one I was thinking of was the time De La Hoya came back and fought Mayorga, but then knocked him out. Mm. And I was kind of thinking that's kind of what Terry will do eventually. It looked like he didn't have the power in his right hand from the surgeries, possibly. Mm. Or else Josito Lopez got himself a new chin. But, like, the second that fight was over, Garcia was like, rematch, please. And I was like, yeah, I, if I was Garcia, I'd be looking for that rematch too. I'd imagine they'll put him with Pacquiao next. Mm. I'd say Pacquiao will, ta will take it after watching that fight. What do you think, Phil? Steve Willis enjoyed it anyway. Yeah, Steve Willis enjoys. That's got to be the, <laughs> gotta be the dream, Luke, to get Steve Willis. That would be amazing, yeah. Christ, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he was out for nearly two years, so I think people, it's like, the way things are now, and this is across so many different sports, like, um, that one bad performance and people almost write you off because just the social media world that we live in that you're judged on one performance, like he's been out for 21 months. Like, he, he, like after that fight, he, he took some good digs in that. Like he would have been thinking, you know, I, I, and he landed some nice shots. So surely in his next fight, he's going to be a lot better. Yeah, like, I mean, um, yeah, I, I think so. I think he needed a fight like that. And it's just as well he didn't come back and face one of the top tier guys. Yeah. And like we'll see to see Spence and uh, Garcia, or yeah, Garcia soon, and Crawford can, and then, oh, it depends what what uh, Al Heyman and PBC want to do with him, but you'd imagine it's going to be Pacquiao or Garcia, wouldn't you? I give him Broner. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, nobody Please wants to see him. Paydays, and he keeps getting paydays. Nobody wants to see Broner again. No. Yeah, so it's it's great times for boxing across the board, really. And speaking of purse bids um, in the middleweight division, your division, Luke, uh, Billy Joe Saunders, Demetrius Andrade is going to be mandated as well. So that fight's yeah. actually going to happen. What are your thoughts on the middleweight picture generally at the top end? I think. Uh, I think uh, Saunders beats Andrade, you know, so I just watched bits of his last one, to be honest, I didn't, I didn't see much of him, but I think Saunders comes back and, and, and beat, beats Andrade. Uh, Canelo, he should win, shouldn't he? be close, but Jacobs is good. Is that he, he, he should win. It'd be the money for you, he's the money for you, isn't he? You want him to be winning. So Canelo has, like, the belts and the profile at the moment, is he number one in your mind, or is Golovkin still number one, do you think? I think Canelo is just, I think as time goes on, I think Canelo is just that bit fresh, fresher, you know. Yeah. Golovkin is just a little, little bit, I think he's just the age is catching up from him. Mm. Uh, he, he's just slowing that bit, isn't he? Like he was, he was unbelievable. He was, he was like, so I remember Sanders saying he wouldn't take the fight, you know, you know like that kind of way, like there a while ago, he, he just admitted that he beat, beat him. But I think if Sanders fought him now, he, he might nick a win. 
He's, a, he's just out of Sloan. What, what is he now? He had a hard amateur career as well. What's he, 24 now? 24 now, yeah. Yeah, but he a lot of mileage on him with the amateur career as well. So Not afraid to take a hit either. Yeah, yeah. You can take a, you can take a good shot, but he, do, he does get caught. Yeah. Uh, I think Canelo, yeah. He's the one that you want to keep winning. Hopefully get a, keep the money hopefully get a fight against Saunders. He, he looks past me, get the win and, and get the payday against Canelo. Cash out. That's the stuff. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah, the way picture in, in Britain and in Ireland even with, with Jason Quigley, I know he's someone you've boxed in the amateurs. Is that a fight you'd be interested in at some stage? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah. I just I think a tweet about it would be great in an all Irish world title fight. He he was offered a, a regular title, WBA title, when he was close to being mate against uh, Moran, yeah. that was close to being mate. Whatever happened to Rob Brandt, is he back? He won that fight, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. heard that since. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's, he's there, he's with Golden Boy as well, so he'll, I think he'll get the opportunities. I wonder if he was offered that uh, Rosado fight. That fight was mentioned to us, like I wonder if he was offered it. What's he, is he fighting soon, is he, quickly? Nothing confirmed quite yet, but I think it'll be probably something soon. He was trying to get on the Katie Taylor card in, in Philadelphia, I'm not sure. That, that Rosado fight was there, I think, you know. I wonder if it was offered to him. Yeah. And just before we let you go, uh, Luke, one last word on the rematch with Conrad Cummings. It's um, the 29th of next month in uh, in Belfast. What kind of fight are we expecting? Hopefully more of the same, yeah. But to be honest, and the first fight I was kind of happy to just land and, and, and make him miss. Now I'm kind of stepping up my attacks, the yeah. second, third phase. I'm going to sustain more pressure and, uh, and hopefully force a stoppage. Uh, but I expect a better Cummins, I'm not looking past them. But uh, I can see just me stepping up and sustaining pressure and, and forcing a stoppage. Good stuff, well, uh, nice one. Th thanks a million for coming in, best of luck with the fight, we'll catch up again soon. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Uh, thanks Phil, thanks Simon, uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in and watching as always. We'll chat to you next week. Yeah.